Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So what's the big announcement? That's the question. I told you last week, the little cliffhanger, hey, you don't want to miss it. I've got this really big announcement. Is there anybody that wants to know what the announcement is? I'm going to wait till the very end of service to, to take. No, I won't, I won't do that. I won't, I won't do that to you. Hey, this morning, um, Harvest Time Tabernacle in Abbeville um, will be having their final Sunday service. But they're not closing the doors. Next week, they will have Sunday service as Our Savior's Church, Abbeville. <laughs> We have a new campus. No more, no more six campuses. For those of you that are keeping track, that's Broussard, Lafayette, Opelousas, Midtown, New Iberia, Youngsville, and Abbeville. Let's give it up to God for doing that. It's incredible. And it's not the only expansion either. Harvest Time Christian Academy Next year, we'll have school as Acadiana Christian School, Abbeville, as well. Our school has a second location. How cool is that? I'm telling you, the, the church is excited. The school is excited. The community is excited. We were in Abbeville this last week at a restaurant. The restaurant owner came up and discovered and found out who we were and had heard about the transition and the church coming. And he said, man, Pastor Wells used to do a Bible study at the Golden Corral years and years ago. Do y'all think y'all could do something like that here? What do you think we said? Absolutely sign us up. So we've even got Bible studies scheduled before we ever get a church service going on in Abbeville. How many of you know Abbeville needs Jesus as much as New Iberia and as much as all these other places? I love that. We're, we're maturing as a church. I need you to know that. We're maturing as a church, and it's, it's fun to watch. Today, I'm going to take a break from Peter, okay? Just a minute, just a little break. We got more to go, and there's more to happen, but when you see the things that God's put on my heart, I think you're going to understand why I want to take just a little pause um, on, on Peter. My favorite letter in the New Testament is the book of Philippians, it's my favorite one. It is the only New Testament letter written to a church that isn't correcting any doctrine. It's not trying to adjust any of the crazy ways they're living. It's actually Paul writing to a mature church and encouraging them and helping them to continue to grow in their maturity. And when I read it, can I be honest with you? It's the kind of church I want us to be. I want us to be a mature church. And the more we grow and the more you take next steps, those, those steps toward joining, the more you do that, the steps toward growing, the steps toward grouping, the steps toward serving, and the steps toward leading, the more we do that, the more I begin to see our church in this letter. And as I walk through this passage, this very specific passage this morning, I want you to be thinking about us. Can you do that? Can you just think about us as a church and where God has us and what he's doing and the part that you're playing and, and, and all of this? I want you to be thinking specifically where we are at in this season as our church and what God might be revealing to us. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. 
chapter 4, verse 8. For those of you that don't have your Bible or can't get there very quickly, I'll have it up on the screen for you. Let's look at this passage. I'm going to walk us through a couple of verses, and then I'll unpack some things. Verse number 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whatever is. Whatever is, whatever is. You know what that reminds me of? It makes me think that there's probably some things that aren't. Probably some things that aren't true, that aren't honorable, that aren't just, that aren't fair, things that are happening. There's nothing commendable, or there's some, probably some things that I don't see any excellence. How easy is it to focus on the things that aren't instead of focusing on the things that are? Remember, he's writing to a mature church, and I think there's something a mature church does when it's able to look at the good things that are going on, not ignoring the bad things. We want to grow. We want to get better in those things, but we do need to take a minute and have this kind of mindset to think about these things. It's a, it's a mindset. Can you say that with me? Mindset. Verse number nine. But it's not just a mindset. Watch this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you practice these things it's not just a mindset it's a discipleship mindset I get asked this question often well, Pastor John I read the book I, I understand and, and I hear this word discipleship and I, I think I want to be a disciple but I don't really know what being a disciple is it's hard to explain it can you tell me what a disciple is, what it looks like, this concept. I know I'm supposed to be doing it, right? Matthew 28 says, go into the world and make disciples. I know nobody's exempt from Matthew 28. I'm not exempt from Matthew 28. You're not exempt from Matthew 28. But Pastor Don, I'm struggling a little bit. I don't know if I'm doing it because I don't know if I can wrap my head around what discipleship looks like. I would say it this way. Discipleship is just a journey. And your spiritual journey consists of next steps. That's discipleship, just taking next steps. Well, Pastor Don, great, I get it, but what are the steps? They're the things that you've learned and that you've received, what you've seen and what you've heard. Paul tells the Corinthian church, follow me as I follow Christ. What's he saying? Hey, the steps that I took, I want you to take them as well. It's like we're walking in the snow and I'm leaving footprints behind and he's saying, hey, Find my footprints and step in them. And if you step in the same steps that I take, guess what's going to happen? You're going to end up in the same place that I'm at. I think discipleship gets confusing for us sometimes because I'm over here in my life and God has brought me so far, but there's a lot more that I know he has for me. And I see people over here growing in their faith and doing the things that I know God wants me to do, but I can't get there. I don't know how to get there. And Paul's saying, if you'll look not so much at where I'm at, but the steps that I took to get there, if you'll put your feet in the steps that I took, guess what will happen? you'll end up over where I'm at. That's discipleship. It's just taking next steps. But discipleship is also more than just taking steps. Look what he says. Practice these things. What's he talking about? You don't just do them once. You do them over and over and over and over 
over again. It's not just the things that you've seen and that you heard and you do it once. No, no, it's the things that you've learned. You don't know what you've learned until you've given a test over that and you can reproduce it every single time. That's, that's how teachers know if the students have learned what they've been teaching. He's saying, listen, I've learned some things. I've done them over and over again. I can reproduce them at will. And there's also some things that I've received that I, I don't just see them. I take them to be my own. There's some ownership that I've given over this. Discipleship isn't just taking steps. It's doing it over and over and over again so much and so often that now I'm able to help others do those same things. I've got steps that people can step in now that I've been taking. Do you see that? That's all discipleship is. You haven't just seen me be a Christian. You've seen me help others become Christians by the way that I live and that I act. That's a discipleship mindset. How many of you follow me today with this discipleship mindset? I'd say it this way. A mature church isn't just taking steps that they have seen and heard. They're helping others take the steps that they have learned and received. I say this often. God doesn't want to just do something in you. He wants to do something through you. And you say, well, Pastor Don, you don't understand. I'm so jacked up. Things aren't, if you knew me the way I knew myself, there's no way God can use me. Listen, there are other people that need to see the way that God has used you because the way God has used you uniquely is going to reach them in a very unique way. There are some people that can't relate to me. How am I going to reach a community without you? I, I need you. There are people that will relate to you more than they'll relate to me. They'll think, man, I could never be as good looking as Pastor Don. How am I going to do? No, you get my point, right? There are things that God has done in you that he wants to do through you. There are things that you've learned and received and seen and heard that he wants you to practice so that other people can see. You can walk in the same steps that I've walked. We're going to be able to grow. And I'm watching us. I'm watching you become this kind of church. I'm watching you. Philippians 4.10, very next verse. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me. Don't miss this. But you had no opportunity. Man, there's a word up in there. Say that with me, opportunity. You had a desire but you didn't have opportunity. You had a desire, but you didn't have opportunity. Remember, he's talking to a mature church. Those two words are very important when it comes to maturity. Look at this. Immaturity is opportunity looking for desire. That's immaturity. I'll, I'll explain it. How, how many of you have teenagers? How many of you have some things that you regularly ask or expect your teenagers to do? The opportunity is there. But sometimes what is lacking in our dear, sweet, growing, maturing teenagers? No desire. Opportunity, but no desire. Years ago, my brother, younger brother, had been laid off from his oil field job. And uh, he was unemployed and living with my parents. And, and I asked him one day, I said, man, listen, why, why don't you just go work at Sonic, grab a restaurant, do something? He's like, man, they're only paying like $10 an hour. Yeah. Um, how much are you making right now? <laughs> he says, well, oh, oh, zero an hour. Sounds to me like 10 an hour is much better than zero an hour. 
He says, yeah, but if I do that, then I won't be able to. I said, time, time out. You're making zero an hour right now. There's an opportunity for you. But what was he really demonstrating? He knew there was an opportunity, but what did he lack? He lacked the desire. Was that making him mature or immature? Immature in his faith. And if there's anybody in here making zero dollars an hour, come help me. I know some ways that you can make at least one or two dollars an hour. Um, to get to get things going listen if immaturity is opportunity looking for desire then what does maturity look like well that's desire then looking for opportunity oh listen that's I see a need how can I help oh I want to help I want to be a part Where, where do you need me what can I do I got people that grab me in the foyer and they say pastor Don listen God's done so much where can I help what can I do? Do you know what that tells me? Is that person being immature or mature? When I see somebody that has a desire and they're just looking for an opportunity, I say, that's a mature church. That's a mature church, one that comes and says, hey, I've got a desire to take what God's been doing in me and do it outside of me. Just point me in the direction and fire me off. I'm going to go do something for the kingdom. That's maturity. Immaturity, opportunity, looking for desire. Maturity is desire, looking for opportunity. I remember I was about 16 years old. I had taken a job at Slotsky's Deli. Come on, somebody. And uh, Slotsky's Deli, I was there 16 years old, and I would, I would go after school, and I would work, and um, we had a, a manager, and then there was a, a regional manager that would come in regularly. He oversaw multiple stores, and one particular night, the manager was off, and the regional manager was in, and he and I were cleaning up the store. We were putting the chairs up on the tables and sweeping them. And, and I asked him this question. I said, hey, what does it take for somebody like me? Remember, 16-year-old me working after school job. Hey, what does it take for somebody like me to carry some more weight or have some more opportunity here at Slotsky's Deli? What, what does it take for me to do that? And he looked at me with a big old smile on his face, and he said, asking that question? That's all he needed to know. What did I have? A desire. I was just looking for an opportunity. And he didn't see immaturity. What did he see? He saw maturity. The next passage ends with a very familiar verse. It's probably on the list of the most commonly taken out of context verses in Scripture. But let's read it with some context. This is Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Here's Paul. Same verse, same chapter. I'm just walking you through. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, he says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now look at the contrast he's about to show us. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned. Remember that discipleship mindset word we talked about? Things that you've heard and seen and received and learned. Here's what he's saying. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. A secret. It's not obvious to everybody. I've learned something. My discipleship journey has brought me to a place where there are some things that other people don't know that I know myself and I've learned this. I understand the secret and I can be good in the things that are great and the things that are not great in abundance and in need and hunger and in plenty. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's what he's saying. If I have enough, I'm okay. If I don't have enough, I'm okay. 
I'll be able to do whatever is needed of me, regardless of whether I think I have abundance or regardless of whether I think I don't have enough. I'm going to be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you say, okay, well, Pastor Don, what are we talking about? Listen, as we mature, our ability to be generous faces a problem with scarcity and abundance. I'm going to unpack it. you got to follow me on this, but I promise it's true. It's right here. Here's what scarcity does to our generosity. Scarcity says, I don't have enough, so I can't do it. Hey, somebody asks you to go and help and show up, and you're thinking, I don't have enough time, so I say no because I can't do it. Right? Scarcity says, I don't have enough, so I can't do it. And it lies to you, and it makes you think that if you have an abundance, you'd be able to. But let me tell you the problem that generosity has with abundance. Look at this. Abundance says, I have to protect what I have, so I won't do it. Scarcity says, I don't have it, so I can't do it. Abundance says, I got to protect what I have, so I won't do it. And both of them struggle, and both of them keep you from being generous. Paul said, this isn't obvious to everybody. I found the secret, and here's what it looks like. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's he saying? Listen, Paul's solution to the problem with scarcity and abundance is this. Do something with it. Do something with it. If you don't have enough, do something with what you have. If you have enough, do something with what you have. Everyone's different, but listen, generosity is a next step on everyone's spiritual journey. But everybody has different abundances and different scarcities. Paul says that doesn't matter. Do something with it. I'm going to get real personal. Take your toes, curl them under for just a minute. I'm going to be walking through the pews, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But if I do, I'm not apologizing. These are Paul's words, not mine. Listen. Generosity is this. Generosity is time, talents, and treasure. When I say generosity, I want you to think in those ways. Am I being generous with my time? Am I being generous with my treasure? Am I being generous with my talents? As well, there are those in a church like ours going from immaturity to maturity, a maturing church. This is, this is some people here, here. There are people who will serve, but they won't give. Oh, I have time, but I don't have money. Then there are people who will give and, and write a check, but they never show up, they never serve, they never put their hands to anything. Oh, I have money, I just don't have time. See how everything keeps you, there's a problem with generosity no matter how you face it. Paul doesn't just say that those with an abundance of time or those with an abundance of money need to do something with it. He says that even those with scarcity in those areas can do all things through Christ Jesus. Are you with me? The mature mindset says this, I'm going to do something with what I do have regardless of whether it's scarce or abundant. That's good preaching, whether you agree with it or not. Relax your toes. I'm done for just a minute. Philippians 4, verse 14. We'll go back to the passage. I need you to see this. Verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. He's talking to a mature church, the people of Philippi, and here's what he's saying. It was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians, in other words, you people in the city of Philippi, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel... 
when I left Macedonia. Now, let me help you. Macedonia is a region, right? It's like saying Acadiana, right? When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, another city about 100 miles away. Imagine being in New Iberia and talking about some things that we accomplished in Alexandria. That's what he's saying. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. This mature church in Philippi didn't just give to ministries in their community. They gave so that ministries could happen in other communities, places where they would likely never go themselves. That's a mature church. And when I'm watching you give and I'm watching you show up and some of you have written checks and some of you have showed up and signed up and put your hands to things like the foster care initiative where we're helping foster care families make improvements and furnish their houses so that we can have. You realize there are foster families that would take little ones out of the system if their homes were up to speed and up to par, if they had a bed or if they had a dresser or could meet some of the requirements that the state did, you're helping put kids in homes in places that aren't even here because you're being generous and I'm watching you become more mature as a church. That's what we're doing. Verse 17, you'll see this. I mean, it's right here. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Uh-huh, there it is. I knew this church just wanted my money. Unfortunately, I've heard that a time or two over the last 20 years. And can I tell you what I usually say in those moments? And I try to be kind, and I try to be loving, and I try to be gracious. And I say, listen, if you feel that way, keep your money. Our Savior's church is great. We'll be fine. I'm not worried about paying the electric bill. I'm not worried about making sure the staff. God has seen that this generous church will have all of its needs supplied. I'm I'm, I'm good. This isn't something I need from you. This is what Paul's saying. It's something I need for you. I, I want you to understand this. There is fruit that will increase to your credit when you understand this secret of generosity that Paul's talking about. It doesn't have anything to do with abundance. It doesn't have anything to do with scarcity. Both of them apply. You need to do something with it. And when you do, it's not about me receiving it. It's about you getting increased to something that is unique. Watch. Paul's saying this generosity, you're giving, you're serving. This isn't for me. This is for you. You're the beneficiary. I'll say it this way. There's a fruit, a reward, something produced in you. A credit you get when you give, and it doesn't happen when you don't. I've seen it. I'm over here trying to explain to you over here the steps that I took as I grew in maturity in the Lord. And I'm trying to lay them out for you so that if you'll just take these next steps and grow. And here's the problem. One of them is generosity. Like, oh, I love that regular attendance. Be born again. Oh, water baptism. I want to join a group. Gen- Woo, hold on. <laughs> Nobody said anything about my time, talents, and treasures when I signed up. I didn't make the rules. I'm just preaching them. I didn't make the rules. I, I didn't sit down and brainstorm and say, how, how could I challenge over 70% of the congregation this morning in one sentence? 
I didn't do that. Paul said, hey, there's a mature church that I want to write to, and I'm going to remind them some things. If there are an immature church, then there's other things I need to teach them. But we're a mature church. We're a maturing church, and this is one of those things that's going to keep us. There's fruit that's not yet hanging from our tree because we haven't yet learned to be fully obedient when it comes to our generosity. We're still thinking it has something to do with our abundance or our scarcity. And Paul's saying, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you see this? Verse 18. Let me say it this way first. I used to use this illustration when I was talking to those people, and uh, I would talk about a water hose in my house and the front yard. And here's, here's basically what I would say. I said, this craziest thing happens with my water hose when I go to water the grass. I, I take the hose and I hook it up to the house, and I go to a sprinkler and I put it at the end, and I turn on the water. And the grass gets wet, but guess what also happens? The hose gets wet too. And I use that illustration to talk about people's generosity and saying, Pastor Don, I don't, I don't understand. That's because you see yourself as the house, you don't see yourself as the hose. If you see yourself as the house, here's what you're saying. I have it, and you're asking me to give it. But if you see yourself as the hose, guess what that looks like? He's got it. He wants it to go over there. God, use me. If you can get it through me, you can get it to me. And here's what happens to my water hose when I water the front yard. The water hose gets wet too. Fernando, I remember the first time you guys gave here. You called me the pastor John, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. I, we gave and it came back and gave and it came back and gave and came back. And it, that's amazing. No, it's not. That's how it works. You're not the house, you're the hose. Philippians 4.18, I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. Look at this, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And here's what we know. They sent people and they sent gifts. Here's what we don't know. We don't know whether it was from their abundance or whether it was from their scarcity. They did it either way. We also don't know whether it was from their, their or we know whether it was from their abundance or from their scarcity. What they gave was received as a sacrifice, an offering that was pleasing and acceptable to God. When I give time, talents, treasures, it is pleasing and acceptable to God. He said, well, Pastor John, which one is more pleasing and more acceptable? The person who gives out of the little that they have or the person that gives out of the abundance that they have? When I read scripture, it tells me this, both of them are pleasing and acceptable to God. Philippians 4, 19 through 20. Here's the result of our generosity. Here's what he says. And my God will supply every need of whose? Yours, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God and, uh, and Father, to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Are you the hose? Or are you the house? Because if it's his, and he can get it to you, and he can get it through you, he'll meet all of your needs. Well, Pastor Don, what about our needs? If I, if I give to others, if, if, if we serve others, we won't have enough for ourselves. 
There's opportunity, but we don't have desire. What is, what is, what is that speaking? That's, that's immaturity speaking. And trust me, I get it. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean I don't have to deal with generosity problems in my own life. I have demands on my time. I have demands on my talents. I have demands on my treasures. I'm expected to follow this too. I'm expected to be generous myself. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean I'm automatically mature. I could be an immature pastor if I didn't approach generosity the way Paul's explaining this, right? Out of my scarcity, I have scarcity. Out of my abundance, I have abundance. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's response to us is this, hey, because you gave of your abundance when you didn't want to, because you gave of your scarcity when you didn't think you could, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I hear Pastor Eugene echo in my thoughts. For years I'd hear him say, hey, listen, you sow in one field and you reap in another. Some of you are waiting for a a long lost child or a loved one to come back to the Lord and you're trying to sow in that field. And if you'll just sow in somebody else's child, another field, show up every Sunday and and help open a door or greet somebody or, or help somebody find a seat and watch what happens when God restores something in this other field because you've been sowing in this field. You're not the house, you're the hose. And if God, if you'll just get it to me, you can get it through me. There are needs I have in my life, and Paul knows that. Just because you're a mature church or a maturing church doesn't mean you don't have any needs. Paul's talking to a very mature church, and he says, listen, you're doing this. And as a result of doing this, let me remind you, God will supply all of your needs. Not according to your riches, but according to his. And here's the problem. This is what that verse 20 was saying. If God meets your needs through your riches, who gets the glory? Oh no, there's a big medical bill. Hey, guess what? I got the money. Boom. Something doesn't register in our brains. When a need comes and I don't, isn't it crazy? How when we give and meet our needs ourselves, we don't stop to think about where that came from. But when there's a lack, when we don't have it, when we go to grab the fruit off the tree and it's not there, Paul's saying, I want you to grow and live in a way so that when you go, there'll be fruit every time. That fruit that grows to your credit could be there. Listen, I'm not the pastor to you I want to be if I didn't just take a time like this and say, There are some steps that I need you to walk to and walk through. And if you'll follow me, if you'll take those steps, I'll help you. Pastor Don, what are you asking us to do today? My question, my burning desire for you as I lead our church, these questions just flood my mind. How do I make sure that you grow into maturity in every way that God has for you? How do I make sure that you have the the right discipleship 
mindset? How do I make sure that you've learned and received what you've heard and seen? That you have opportunity to pass those things on to others. How do I make sure that you're generous? Because there's fruit in generosity. There's a reward. There's something that will grow in your life only when you give. How do I do that? How do I make sure that every need you have in your life is supplied by God's riches and not your own to his glory and not yours? How do I do that? That's my question. That's my, that's my burning desire. And can I tell you, I'm so proud of you. I really am. I'm looking across the room at these faces. I'm so proud of you. You have the mindset. It's in you. I see it. You've experienced it for yourselves. I see it every week in the way you worship. I stand up here. I want to be standing back there so I can watch you. Because nothing makes my heart more fuller than to see you raise your hands. Because I know what's happening in your life. I know some things that would break your heart. We were in prayer uh, last Monday night. And we have a moment where we grab these prayer cards and we go and we pray over them as if they're our own. We're, we're adding our faith to theirs. And a man walked by as I was standing and he put the cards back up and he looked at me and said, Pastor, I don't have a problem in my, in, in my life. I don't have it. I see what people are walking through. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I thought I did when I got here. But I started praying for other people and realized I don't have a problem at all. You've experienced it. I watch you worship. I watch you give glory. I watch you sing and celebrate. I'm turning around and I'm looking because I'm amazed at what God is doing before my eyes, before our eyes in this place. I need you all to understand this isn't normal. There are a lot more immature churches than there are mature churches. And I'm reading this letter that Paul wrote to this very mature church. And I'm like, hey, that sounds like us. That sounds like us. You have the mindset. You've experienced it for yourself. Now, if only you had the opportunity. If only you had the opportunity. Well, guess what? We do. We do have the opportunity. What, what do you mean, Pastor Don? Our campus. Our campus. Look around. You, our campus. This campus in New Iberia is going to be launching that Abbeville campus right up there down the road. Okay. That's great if we're on the PGA Tour and Tiger Woods walks up and makes a great drive. You can act that way. But I need you to act as if God looked down on you and said, hey, there's a community over there that needs you. And you have scarcity and you have abundance, but I'm calling you to do something with it. And I want you to play a significant part in making sure that that church doesn't close the doors, but that it opens the doors. And I want you to do it. And I need you to act as if God has just told you he wants you to play a significant role in another community that you may not see. Can we try this again, church? Immature churches don't get fired up about stuff like this. They worry about themselves. They, well, how's that going to change things around here? And what does it mean? Okay, listen. 
But a mature church says, hey, we can do it. We can do it. Hey, there's some things that we don't have enough of. We can do it. Hey, there's a lot that we have a lot of. We can, we can do it. Y'all, this happened so quick for us as a church. It, it, it's always been in our heart to be in Abbeville, to go in Abbeville. Um, but if I'm honest, it wasn't on the very near radar. But God knew. God, God knew. Our Lafayette campus just launched Youngsville. And there's a, there's a difference when you launch something from within that doesn't exist and when, if you step into something that's already going. And, and uh, when we launch, we send our best. We send our best from every team in every area. And those of you that are serving, just imagine if the team you were serving on, some of those people left and went elsewhere. You feel a little depleted. And, and, and it's fine. That's what causes us to run a little lean. This is, this is the Lafayette campus. When the, when the opportunity came for Abbeville, they jumped up and they said, man, this, this is our heart for Abbeville. We know we don't have enough, but we're not missing the opportunity to rescue the people of Abbeville from losing another church. This is, this is what Lafayette said. Listen, God will provide out of our lack. He will. He will. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know that our team, we just launched Youngsville. I'm not sure. I called Pastor Jacob. I said, hey, listen. Let us do it. Let us do it. He said, what do you mean? Are, are you sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some fruit that I've seen grow on the tree of a campus that has been generous, that gives, that serves for something outside of themselves. And I want that for this place. I want it. There's only one way to get it. I can't pray enough, I, I, I can't ask enough, I can't plead enough, I can't beg enough. There's only one way to get that kind of fruit at this place right here. And what do you think that is? We're going to go and we're going to serve and we're going to give. They need us and we need this. Let me tell you, this is how I know that we're ready for this as a campus because we have a next steps discipleship mindset because we need to start practicing what we've learned and what we've received and what we've heard and what we've seen we we need to give out of our abundance and we also need to give out of our lack as well because when we do we're going to grow and bear fruit not just more fruit but a very specific kind of fruit that only comes when you Give and think and act outside of yourselves. Paul's writing to a son in the Lord, Titus. And he says it this way, Titus 3.14. Remember Titus. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. What's he saying? If I allow you, if you, Titus, allow those people not to meet pressing needs. Allow them just to show up and think about themselves over and over again. Their lives are going to be what? Unfruitful. Don't forget your job, Titus, as you're leading from immaturity to maturity. Don't miss opportunities for people to meet pressing needs. Because that's how they're going to bear fruit in your life. Look at me, church. I don't want this from you. I want this for you. I want this for you. 
I want to do something just for a minute, and I want you to, to, to follow me here. If you're taking notes, if you've got a Bible or something in your hand, just set it down for a second. We read in creation, in Genesis, that when God speaks, creation responds. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be a separation, and there was a separation. Let there be animals. And, and I believe with every part of my being that God is speaking to us. That God is saying, hey, you guys are more mature than you think you are. Hey, there's some abundance here. Hey, there's some lack here. There's some things that we don't quite have enough of yet. But I don't want you to stop being generous just because you don't think you have enough. And I think God's speaking to us and I think God's speaking to you and I want us to respond. I'm gonna pray. Can you just bow your head? I, I trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Father, thank you. We receive this word. We're all in different places. We're all at different stops along our path, but generosity is a journey, that, a step that we're gonna all take on our journey. Thank you for bringing us to a point where we can, we can take that step today. Father, I thank you for everything that you've been doing in New Iberia. The growth that I've seen, the, the way that we've given, the way that we serve, the way that we love, and the way that we care. And to thank God that you would look at that and call it maturity and ask us to go and do more. That honors us. And I know there's a community that is mourning the loss of a church. They can't wait to celebrate the birth of another. So I ask God that you would use us, that you would use me that you would use this team, that you would use these leaders, that you would use these people. I pray, God, that there would be people in this room that haven't yet given, that haven't yet served, that would feel compelled by this opportunity, they, that they would leave here today with the desire saying, where's the opportunity? So I do, Father, we accept it. We ask for your help. I'm not sure how we're going to do this. But I trust that as we give, you'll supply all our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, if you believe that with me, can you say amen?